You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To learn more about the Collective Church in Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington, visit us online at thecollectivechurch.com. What is today? It's Sunday. If if y'all can win the trophy of stating the obvious, thank you. I know I got now. Here, now here's the deal, though. I pre, I'm gonna preface this because they don't unleash me very much, and and, and that's my choice because I, I just I quite honestly do not like communicating. I I, I have ten thousand. Some the average man has ten thousand words on a daily basis. I have more like five, and I'm blowing them all today. So Jenny's got to mute for the rest of the week, and that's basically how it's gonna all work. But um. <laughs> But I, but I got back from Africa on Thursday night. And so if, has anybody been to Africa or somewhere where they're flying 26 hours to, now it's amazing, you know, but, you know, I was there for seven days and I flew 26 hours. So I'm, my, my brain is somewhere else right now. So just embrace, isn't that right, April? Like you just, it takes you, last, last, uh, this morning I woke up at 1 a.m. ready to crush the day. And so just... <laughs> And then I laid from 1 a.m. to 4.30, and I was just like, please, Lord, have me go to bed. <laughs> so, happy Palm Sunday. Now, can I give you a testimony real quick in regards to Africa? Because um, I think this is amazing, and I, and I praise God for it. Because I'm really thankful that, you know, what I get to be a part of. And, and what's great about that is what I get to be a part of is what y'all get to be a part of as well. I mean, the Wake Up Dead, what we get to launch here at church, being able to celebrate that on Thursday. Because that's a book that has not necessarily been launched yet. And what's being created is being created for you first, and it's going to be launched the rest of the community. So just to let you know, this is you're the, you're the first. Let me give you something about Africa. Um, a couple of years ago, we had a Her Voice conference, which is, again, Her Voice is coming up on in July. I should know that, but I don't because, again, I, and it was in mid-July. And um, if you want more information about that, you can go to John 1930. But a couple of years ago, we sold uh, these blankets. Um, how many of you all have big white like when I travel, the way Jenny does is she becomes a Jenny burrito where she, I don't know if you, any wives do this too, but Brad, I don't know if this happens, but she takes the covers and she starts rolling in a little Jenny burrito. And as a result, I end up with no covers. And so the way we roll when we're traveling is that Jenny gets the covers and I get the lavish blanket. So I, so I have, Jenny has lots of pictures of me sleeping in my lavish blanket, but we, we, um, we sold, we sold those a couple years ago at, at her voice which we ordered a few thousand of them, all of the money that came in from those lavish blankets were going towards the family that lives in outside of Nairobi. So we flew to Nairobi, Kenya, drive a couple hours to village churches. And this is the same village churches that we all participated in three years ago. We purchased Bishop Juan Derry a vehicle. And, and what this is, what we called it is, is, is a gospel vehicle where over there, they don't have speed limits. They have speed bumps. And, and so they used to have a car. They'd have to go sideways over these speed bumps to be able to get to from point A to point B. He has over 50 churches in Kenya and the Congo. So he's driving all the time. And so we, us as a church family purchased him this vehicle. And so when we were in Nairobi, guess what picks us up? at the Nairobi airport is the collective vehicle that drives us to the village churches. It's just amazing. Now, let me give you the, 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 the story about the Her Voice blankets, the lavish blankets, is so many of you purchased that. You realize that each, a small percentage of that purchase, basically all the 
essentially profit, went towards building, expanding the school for Bishop Mary's church outside of Nairobi. And so our goal was to raise $10,000, which if you know anything about Kenya, $10,000 goes a long ways. And so our goal was to expand the school because when you see the kids, like I, w- I wanted to take a few of the kids with me. They're, they're, they're the most, besides my own kids, my kids compared to your kids are the cutest kids in the world, but these kids were, uh, were amazingly adorable, and, and I just love the kids there, and uh, the accommodations are less than spectacular, so we wanted to provide an environment for the kids. I didn't know this, but I was flying down to Nairobi to, to give them a, a $10,000 check, which is a million kilo, uh, Kenyan shillings. And so we, we were going to give the money. Well, two weeks ago, one of the properties next to the church, um, it's about 0.9 acres of land. The owner of that property said, if you want to expand for the schooling, this is, this is how, without them knowing I was going down there to give them a check. Understand this. This is a couple weeks ago. If you want to expand the schooling, I will send you, I'll sell you this land for $60,000, okay, which is a lot of money. And finally, the owner of the land said, okay, I'll sell it to you for 20000 So Apostle um, Juan Derry and Bishop Mary made an announcement to their church that they're going to get a $10,000 bank loan, and, and they're saying, please partner with us. We want to raise that $10,000 for this property that we're going to be purchasing. And then here comes... Bob and Dusty and Casey flying to Africa. And then she didn't know, and we wired the money, which if you wire money to Kenya, there's a lot of questions and banks end up asking a lot of questions. Why are you buying this? Are you buying bombs? Are you buying, you know, about anyway. So that's the way it works. <laughs> Some of you know this, but um, this banking system is very trustworthy. And so um, <laughs> they, one, they announced this two weeks ago, which I didn't know. And then I showed up and we wired the money and Bishop Mary's like, why is this $10,000 here? There's a very thing that they asked the church to partner with to be able to purchase the land was wired the day we showed up. So, so I want you to think about this. This, this is the point of, see, I, when I look at finances, I look at finances where it gives you an opportunity to go where you've never imagined or, or thought about going, where you can make an impact on where you're going. So the very money that went to Her Voice Blankets was, was, was God timing for the Wanderis to purchase the property, which if you think about this, what's going to be built there and the kids that you're going to be impacting, the money that, see, you bought a lavish blanket, which I enjoy in the hotel rooms because I, I, it keeps me warm and on their, their most amazing blankets in the world. And I've got a dozen of them in my household. They're spread all over the place. Um, they're amazing. But, but every blanket purchase, so if you, if you bought a blanket... You went to a miracle in Kenya, and not only that, kids are going to be impacted where you, where a place where you've never, that you may not go to is making an impact. Y'all say amen? So when, so when the, so here's, here's the point is that the, when did the miracle take place? For Bishop Mary, it partially took place when we showed up because we wired the money. But the miracle didn't take place then. The miracle took place when Jenny was in Kenya, um, mid 2019 and saw the need decided to plant 
the seed, that's where the miracle took place. See, it's, it's that waiting. It's, it's, that, it's, it's, the, it's the gap between the pain and the promise. Where we look at that gap, we decided to say, yes, where did the miracle take place? See, we look at the manifest miracle of the, like what Tiffany's talking about. That's, that's when the miracle, no, the miracle didn't take place then. It took place before praying. It, was, it, it took place way before. The miracle of the money did not take place at that moment. It took place two years ago. You understand what I'm saying? And you get to be a part of it. Isn't that awesome? It's not a part of the miracle, but it's a part of Palm Sunday, I guess, where... So, I have people texting me. Stop texting me. We're going to get in the Word, and we're going to look at Mark 11, which we may, we may read a lot of it. We may not read a lot of it. Because one thing I don't want to do is just state the obvious. But I want, I want you to get thinking. Y'all, y'all, we, all, we all need to get to the point where we start processing really what's taking place in the supercomputer right here. If y'all know I beat at one drum, the, the drum that I beat at is that um, is we, we, have, we, we, we look at so many physical limitations in our life, but the reality with it, there are so many mental limitations that you put on your, upon yourself. And so when we walk into church is that we can look at the obvious of really what Palm Sunday is all about. But I want you to understand that there's a story behind the story. There's, there's, an, there's an underlying message in the word of God where you can't look at the message of the word of God just by taking it like black and white, even though there's some, don't take that out of context. Don't throw a Bible at me. But I, I want you to understand there's a, there's a message that's underneath the message. And so I want to give you five questions that I thought about that I want to give to you. And the reason why these five questions I want to give to you is that I want you to, during this incredible week, realize I never knew until the age of 23 what Easter was all about. 23. Like I didn't even know who Jesus was until the age of 22. And then I, it took me a year to any, for anybody to actually tell me what we Easter was all about. So this week, I want you to be praying. So some of us, we look at this, this day, people that are seasoned Bible readers and believe in Jesus have been following Jesus for a long period of time. Sometimes you, you look at this and you start taking things for granted. And, and, and you stop thinking about the questions that you really should be asking yourself. So when you read the scriptures, start asking questions. And for me, I start asking, Why? Why is this there? So I'm going to give you five questions. And the reason I'm going to give you those five questions is that I'm not going to spoon feed what's taking place in my head. I want you to be thinking about it and praying about it and pressing in over this week. Do you understand? Because just to let you know, next week is Easter, right? Right? It's the Super Bowl of Jesus. Amen? I'm sorry. I wish, I wish Pastor Ben was here because Pastor Ben would throw something at me. He's been around. He was born under a pew. I wasn't. <laughs> Literally, Deanie gave birth under a pew. Um, I wasn't. And so, so Pastor Ben is so awesome because anything that's church cliche, I get the brunt of it. And I was like, I, I'm sorry I wasn't raised in church. Like when we're in Africa and they're singing hymns and stuff like that, everybody knows hymns except Bob. I'm like, I don't know what you're singing right now. I just know these songs that we're singing today. That's pretty much it. So I, I wasn't raised. <laughs> yeah, we have lots of good songs from. Okay, let's, listen, let's get to the word. Uh, Mark 11, verse 1. This is where um, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. 
Now, as they were approaching Jerusalem, they arrived at a place of the stables near Bethany and the Mount of Olives. I'm going to read fast and I talk fast. I'm going to try to slow myself down. That's one of the things I'm, I'm working on because I just, I talk fast. And if you, hopefully you listen fast. If you don't, you're going to, you're going to lose it. And I need glasses too. I'm telling you, I think I reached fear. I think I reached um, mature adulthood. I took the kids out to Red Robin and I had to use my flashlight to read the menu at Red Robin. I'm like, okay, I know I'm an adult now. I'm like, I can't read this stinking menu. So praise God. I feel like I'm an adult now. <laughs> so all you, all you old people can understand what I'm talking about, right? You start using flashlights where you shouldn't use them. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you, I, Anyways, I'm going to keep on moving. Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead and said to them, as soon as you enter the village ahead, you will find a donkey's colt tethered there that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. And if anyone asks, why are you taking it? Tell them the master needs it and I'll send it back to you soon. So they went and found the colt outside the, the street, tied to a gate. When they started to untie it, some people standing there said to them, why are you untying that colt? They answered, just as Jesus had told them, the master needs it and he will send it back to you soon. So the bystanders let them go. The disciples brought the colt. Okay, anyways, continue reading. Um, Jesus rode through the gates of Jerusalem and to the temple and up to the temple. After looking around at everything, this is verse 11, he left for Bethany with the 12 to spend the night for it was already late in the day. So Jesus is taking the donkey, the, the basically uh, uh, a, a young donkey and riding it in. What's taking place when he's riding it into Jerusalem? What are they doing? They're taking off coats. They're, they're, it's, it's, a, it's a celebration. Realize that these are the same people that were wanting Barabbas five days later. They're, they're, they're announcing Jesus's, Jesus into Jerusalem and they're celebrating. Just to let you know, if you don't know what Palm Sunday, that's what Palm said. The Palm, Palm represents a lot of different things and I'm not gonna go into that lot, a lot, but it's basically a celebration because what were they expecting? They were expecting the king. Realize that uh, the first question and this is what a, a drum I beat at so much, and I won't, I won't belabor it today, but for some of you that have not been or have never heard me preach, I, I always mention this because this is so critical. Question number one, do you see clearly? Do you see clearly? These are the same people that were celebrating Jesus' arrival or the same people saying they want Barabbas five days later. So, so what, what are they seeing when they see the king? So you realize there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah. 300 prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus. Do you understand the statistical probability of this? This is the first time I heard this from John Bevere and um, on, on one of his messages. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was, it was written from a, um, a scientific article from 1957 from a professor by the name of uh, Peter Stoner. Funny, every time I say, I don't know why I giggle every time. Maybe it's my schoolboy, maybe it's my Africa brain right now. I was like, Peter Stern last Anyways, it was about uh, mathematical probability of that actually happening. And so what they did was they wrote down eight prophecies, eight out of the 300. Okay, eight out of the 300 prophecies. And that's all they, they created the statistical probability of eight out of the 300 coming true. So it was, it was eight of them, and I don't remember them. Um, 
you, you can you can research it yourself if you want to look at the uh, article. What, what are the statistical probability of eight of them coming true? The statistical probability of this one to the um, one times ten to the seventeenth power. Do, do you know how much that is? Okay, I, I'll give you the numbers. If you take the entire state of Texas and put two feet thick of silver dollars and you check mark one of them and you send one of your relative atheists <laughs> and you drop them in Texas, the statistical probability of them finding that one silver dollar with the check mark is the same statistical probability of eight out of the 300 prophecies coming true from the Jesus and Messiah. Eight of them. So there was another statistic, and, and again, 68.5% of statistics are made up on the spot, but this is, this is an article, it's a scientific article, so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying, even, even if this is remotely, think about these probabilities. They added another eight of them. So 16 out of over 300 prophecies from the Old Testament coming to fruition, because I'm, I'm going to talk to you about what took place in Mark 11 and where it is in the Old Testament. Out of, if 16 of them came true, it's, it's one times 10 to the 45th power. Okay, I'll tell you how much that is. If you took the same silver dollar, the diameter of it is from the center and the diameter of this ball that these silver dollars create. This blows my, this blows my little tiny brain. One silver dollar, the diameter of it is from the center of the earth to the center of the sun. The diameter of this ball of silver dollars. So you take your little atheist relative <laughs> and put him in a spacesuit. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, like, God is in, God, God is in science. Yeah. God is in probability. Yeah. So we, we always talk about feelings and how this... It, I'm sorry, the, the, the scientific, I, I encourage you to read um, uh, Strobel's Case for Christ, isn't that right? The, it blows my mind. Okay, so this, it's the diameter between, and you put your little atheist relative in a space shuttle and plop him out, even if he wasn't blindfolded, but to find that silver dollar with a check mark is the same probability of 16 of those prophecies coming true. 16 of them, that's it, out of 300 plus. This is Mark 11's in um, uh, Zechariah 9.9. You can go there, you don't have to go there. Uh, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a do donkey's colt. The exact same thing was stated in Mark 11. What do you see? See, there's, there's this, um, you can even take the scriptures, you could take the most um, um, skeptical atheists and they will look at this and still refute you. And the reason why is because what they see. They, they will find anything to help support their negative bias. It's, it's the difference between fantasy and reality. It's like... Um, um, like, like Disneyland, okay? If you, if you all want to be tortured, take your five-year-old to Disneyland. Now, when you, now, 
hold this loosely because I, I support Disneyland now. I used to think it was of the devil, but that's, this is the reason why. Take your five-year-old to Disneyland. What do you see in Disneyland commercials? All these kids having a joyous time at Disneyland. What's, so, that's, so that's what you see. But, but then you go, you take two kids and, and say you show up at the door at 8 a.m. What's going to take place come two or three o'clock in the afternoon? It's, it's the, again, it's the gap of, sorry, for us. See, they see the beautiful time at Disneyland with your young kids, but the reality with it is something completely different. See, when, when everybody was welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem, they were expecting a mighty warrior they were expecting somebody to, to rid the Roman encampment. So that's what they were seeing. But the reality with it is that they, they didn't receive. So that's why five days down the road, they were saying, we'll take Barabbas. You understand what I'm saying? Um, it's, it's like the difference between expectation and reality. We have expectation. What, what is that gap called? It's called disappointment. It's all about what you see. So understand when I'm talking about seeing, the reason why I say that all the time is it's the paradigm of seeing and then creates a feeling as a result, whatever you speak and whatever you act. That's why church, sometimes the model when we're talking about behavior modification spe- specialists is that we don't, want to, we don't want to modify your behavior because that's the act, that's the end of it. What we want to get to is the root is how you see it. So what, what, what I want to, I want to uh, declare to you is that, well, how do you see Jesus? What, what, what do you see? See, um, how we see our situation predominantly is false. We actually see mostly wrong than what we see is right. So I'm, I'm just, I'm, um, People say you have blind spots. The reality is we don't have blind spots. You have sight spots. You see mostly in a small spectrum of how the world actually is. So just pray this week. Am I seeing clearly? Am I seeing Jesus clearly? Am I seeing the world clearly? Am I seeing my, my part of this church clearly? Am I seeing clearly? Um, there's a... I read an article last week. I'm, 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 I'm butchering this a little bit, but he was talking about Satan. How do you see Satan? How do you see, no, I'm, I'm just okay. I know it's 1016. I want your brain to fire right now. Satan, what do you see? Okay, he's um, wearing red. I, 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 you know, the, the reality with visually, I see Satan under my feet. So I see him as a little tiny, tiny little deal, like red with a pitchfork and, and red horns. Does anybody else see that? Like just a little tiny little thing with red. Here, here's a reality with it. He, he was, he was absolutely beautiful. He was, he was the first worship leader. Some people say that he, um, rivaled or exceeded mighty angels like Gabriel and Michael. So I, I'm, I'm saying that because if you see a tiny Satan, but the reality with it, he is absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. You will actually see the way you interact with people because some people 
that may be beautiful and everything that they say may sound absolutely perfect. The reality with it is that that's, that's why for me, I pay attention to what we're saying and how we act. And the reason why is that I, I trust people fully. So I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that for you, are, are you seeing situations 100% clear? Because you can actually be 100% right in your own mindset, but actually be 100% wrong in reality. Does that make sense? Thank you. Question number two. I'm being honest with thank you. Question number two. Is this the Jesus we want or the Jesus we need? Let me repeat that so you can write that down and really meditate on it this week. (laughs) It's exciting, isn't it? Is this the Jesus we want or the Jesus we need? See that um, I, I read a book this week on my many hours of flying. Um, and it was wild about it. And I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's creating a cultural uh, a discipleship culture. That's what it is, or discipling culture. And um, if you want to create a discipling culture, there's this there's this fantastic balance between inviting people to be a part of the family, but then also challenging them. So it's high challenge, high invitation. So like on Thursday night, we have, we have a high invitation that we want you to be a part of the family. But on the same token, there's this high challenge. Um, that's what creates discipleship. And the reason why is because if we want to change, the most of the time as humans, we will only change through pain. So when I say something challenging, where Pastor Ben says something challenging, the reality with it, that challenging is vitally important for your discipleship. We, we are disciples of Jesus, following disciples, encouraging other disciples of Jesus, following disciples of Jesus. That's why it's so dangerous in today's world that all we want to follow is things that we 100% agree with. You understand what I'm saying? So, so um, that's why it's dangerous in today's world with social media and Instagram and Facebook. I'm about ready to write on my Facebook um, horse. I'm not saying this in a bad way towards it, but I, but I am saying that, that we actually find things that support our bias. And the reality with it, that's not true discipleship of, of Jesus, is that you actually want to find things, what we, we see in the news all the time. If you watch one news source, guess what? You're only going to get one bias. Now, I'm a believer of watching no news. Amen? And I'm not going to beat at that drum very long, but, but the reality with it is it, it, it shapes the way we see. So I'm, I'm saying that the very things you may need to hear are the very things you may not want to hear. Because that's the Jesus we follow. So again, is the Jesus we want the Jesus we need? The very Jesus that the people of Jerusalem needed is the very thing that they did not see. So, so I'm saying that there, there's, there's things that you're going to see as a follower of Jesus that may challenge the way you view things, but that's the very thing that Jesus, that you need to experience. Did, did, that, did that sentence make any sense? For some of you, it did. See, um, Wake Up Dead, Jenny, Jenny talked about this a few weeks back, is that we're, we're making, we make Jesus out of our own image. <laughs> and we all do that. G- Jesus was not a blonde-haired, blue-eyed man. It wasn't Bobby Jesus. It was 
culturally, we do that. If you go to any other culture, whatever Jesus they have is going to be replicating the culture that you're in. Okay. Some of you are jiving with me. Some of you aren't. I want you to think about these things. How do you see Jesus? Question number three. When was the last time God, God told you no? When was the last time God told you no? Who, who did Jesus confront the most? Romans or church people? Church people. This um, walking with Jesus is a consistent um, process of repenting and building that belief after repenting. Rep uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm telling you, repenting is one of those words we don't like talking about. And the reason why, because we always relate it to potential sin that we're going through. Repenting, all it is, is your mindset doing a 180. We see the wor world one way and, and we repent and we start seeing the world in a different way. So what I'm saying is following, following Jesus and saying no is that the very thing we actually want is maybe not the very thing that God wants us to do. So whenever I hear somebody say, God's leading me this direction, but then changes their mind three months later, is God me leading me in this different direction? God is not a double minded man just to let you know. Um, um, so God says one thing and he'll stick to that one thing. And, and, and as Christians, we can't refute God led me this certain direction. Can we? Because that's the, that's the ultimate Christian card. What I noticed at the age of 23 is like, wow, it seems like we kind of get miss, you know? So it's like, we feel like God's leading us a certain way, but sometimes that may be our own feelings that are leading us that way. So when you say God wants me to lead this way, how many times has God told you no. And, and, and for, for me, it's, it's like, okay, this is a, this looks great in my mindset and my eyes, but I've got to pray through it. And the reason why I've got to pray through it, because I got to find out what God's saying yes or God's saying no, because it may look very good, but it's not great because God's not on it. Does that, does, does that make sense? So what I have to do is I have to continually repent and say, when I'm seeing certain things, I may not see it hundred percent right. If God tells me, no, I need to repent. And when I repent, I actually got to build upon that repentance and build my belief system from there. So our life is following Jesus. Listen to me here because, because um, we're about finished. My life is a consistent repenting, change my thoughts, change my mindset, building from there rather than repent, next day go back to my old behavior. It's repenting and building my belief system and building, my, building the way I change my mindset from there. Does it feel good all the time? All you Jesus followers. No, it doesn't. But when I repent, I say, okay, that's not the way I want to look. And that's not the way I want to see. That's not, God said, no, I'm repenting and I'm building my belief system from there. And as a result, guess what's going to happen? I repent, build my belief system a year down the road, three months down the road, six months down the road, five years down the road, whatever my case may be. And I see something, I was like, wow, the way I saw this situation was completely wrong. I repent, God. God said, no, I repent. And from, my, from that point forward, my belief system being, is being built from there. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? That's what, that's what spiritual maturity, that's what becoming a disciple of Jesus is all about. If we've been into church for a long period of time and never repented, today's the day you better repent. Not, not, not from me, 
But, but if we haven't repented, that means we've been living a life not necessarily following Jesus. That sounds mean. Pastor Ben will soft that over later. <laughs> he will, he will. Praise God for him. Because um, I'm telling you, following Jesus is not a hobby. It's not a hobby. It is everything. It's a lifestyle. But I'm telling you, if you live that way, the fruit that God has for you, if you're, if you're deciding, you know what? I'm gonna sell out. I'm gonna completely submit to that yes to God. Not to me, not to Pastor Ben. That has nothing to do with people. It has everything submitting to God. And when you do that, it is not a hobby. Will you go through pain? Yes. You, you will go through discomfort. Yes. But that's the point of maturity. My 17-year-old, I say certain things that he may not agree upon. Am I God to him? Absolutely not. But I say things, that, and the reason why is because I want to see him maturing as a young man. He doesn't like it. He may, he may thank me, dear Lord, someday. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Question number four. You writing these questions down? Uh, here's what I encourage you to do is, 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 is get, a, get a journal. Uh, like I have, I have so many, like I, I love my phone because I'm able to write things down that I'm like, okay, I remember that. But it, it, they magically disappear in a month. But um, when I have, a, I have a year journal where I just go throughout the year and whatever I read, whatever I watch, whatever I listen to, that's who I am, whatever I'm hanging around the church, I just write it down. When you write it down, it's amazing. Uh, you, you just, you remember it. Question number four, to write this down. Where do you think the hope of the world is? Now we're in, we're in church, okay? Um, I, know, I know what every, all, all, all of us Jesus freaks would say. Um, but I, but I, want you, I want you to seriously pray into the specific question in today's world. Where do you think the hope of the world is? Actually, let me rephrase it. Where do you think the hope of Portland is? Why, why in Mark 11, verse 15, see, we, again, you, you have to look into the, the meaning behind what Jesus is saying. Jesus, when, when he comes into Jerusalem, what does he start doing in the outer courts? He starts flipping the tables and we immediately start looking at it as black and white and saying, business should not be in the church. That's what we start saying. And we, we actually take it as, 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 as black and white. And it's not. Because, because I'm telling you, there's people in this church that have businesses that I want to do business with because I trust them. They're a part of our community. And if, if business is out, if I'm looking for a real estate agent, I'm going to look at for a real estate agent within this church. If I'm looking for a mortgage broker, I'm looking for a mortgage broker within this church. If I'm looking for an insurance agent, I'm going to be looking for an insurance agent within this church. The point is, is that that's, that's not the point of what Jesus is saying. But, but what the point is, is that he is flipping over tables in the outer courts because it's a focus thing. What does he say in Mark 11, verse 15? Here, here uh, let's, let's party here. 
When they came into Jerusalem, Jesus went directly in the temple area and overturned all the tables and benches of the merchants who were doing business there. One by one, he drove them all out of the temple course and they scattered away, including the money changers and selling doves. And he would not allow them to use the temple course as a thoroughfare for carrying their merchandise and their furniture. Then he began to teach them saying, does not scripture say my house will be a house of prayer for all the world to share, but you have made it thieves hangout. The point is, is not necessarily about the business it's the focus. See, when we look at what Jesus is trying to tell us in the scripture is not necessarily just about business. What he's trying to tell us is that we are not looking for the change out there. The world will be the world. Politicians will be politicians. If you're politicians, I love you. Politicians will be politicians. Taxes will be taxes. Homelessness will be homelessness. What, what it starts, if we want that to change, Jesus is saying, this is where the change takes place. So as, as we change in the house of God, as we pray, as we our focus is about Jesus, we will take that and move out there and be the change. We are looking for that to change. And guess what? It will never change. There, the reason why, because they don't see clearly. You can't fault them. I can't get mad at the United States government. And, and they do so many things that doesn't make sense. And, I, and as you travel the world, you understand that the most. Do you realize it, by the way, I shouldn't say this. I'm going to, I, I say something. Like, there's, out of all the airports, I went to Amsterdam, Paris, Nairobi, United States. There's only one mask mandate that I had as the United States. Amsterdam, Nairobi, they were, they were like, Paris, they just didn't care. We are such in a little bubble. And I and here's the deal. Did I complain about it? No, I just put my face diaper on and moved forward. The point is, is that I didn't care because that's not where the change is going to take place, church. The church, the change, now, now, now I'm not, Pastor Ben will clear this up later. I do not, and I'm saying that to prove a point is that we're, if we're focused on that, that's not gonna fix the problem. It's gonna start here. And from here, the world will change. Amen? We, we, we try to make this such a, anyways. so many things that we say in regards to Jesus. I mean, I've, I've heard that's a righteous anger. And we write on the righteous anger thing. And it's, it's I'm, 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 I'm angry the fact that we have lost sight on where the hope lies. Where does your hope lie? Do you want, do we want to do everything possibly that we need to do? We need to do everything possible to provide change? Absolutely. Stand strong. There's no doubt about that. You want to do certain things. But, but what I'm saying is that if we are unhealthy in here, we will never provide any change to the world. Pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth inside the house of God. If we, if I'm sitting here talking to Michelle about April, see, this is what I'm saying about the church, is that if we have a culture of honor, I am saying nothing but good things about April. If we gossip and talk bad about each other in here, we will never change out there. The most dangerous person in the church cannot keep their mouth shut about their brothers and sisters within the church because they're dangerous. So I'm saying that with us, 
in a culture of honor, it starts here. It starts loving each other here. And then we will flow out there. Amen? What is the wake up dead? The premise of it? In order to experience true life, we must die. Die to your own opinions. Die to your own feelings. I love you, but I'm telling you, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this about myself. This is, these are questions I need to ask myself. When I go into a situation, I have a conversation with April and I'm feeling, um, I feel uneasy about her. I feel, and then this, this is completely hypothetical because I've been in Africa and I haven't seen April. But, but if I have that and all of a sudden, like she says something that gets me angry, I'm not gonna process that with, with Rachel. I'm going to figure out, I probably see something wrong. And I process my own, the way I see it. I, am, am I worried about April? Absolutely not, because I'm, I'm processing it with myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't know if you did. It doesn't matter. I, I just, I, I want so desperately, if we have been so changed by Jesus in our heart, our exterior actions better match our interior, interior heart. In, in, in church, as Jesus followers, everything that we do better, if, if somebody cuts you open, all that better be spewing out is hope and love, plus a lot of blood. But the point is, is that, you oh, understand what I'm saying? Last question, and we'll pray. Actually, I wrote, I wrote this, this poem down. I don't know if you knew this, I'm a poet. I'm not. <laughs> Jenny's a poet. But this is from um, 1577 from Sir Francis Drake. I don't know if anybody's heard this before. Maybe we'll put it on the text thread if I can figure that out. We'll have somebody else do it. Rachel can do that. <laughs> Heather can do it. I'm going to text... Pastor Ben and Heather say, stop making out and I'm gonna want you to text this out to everybody. I'm sorry, your kids are here. Love you. Okay, this is the poem. Listen to this. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we sail too close to the shore disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. <laughs> Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. In our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly to venture out to venture on wider seas where storms show your mastery. We're losing sight of land. We shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. The last question, will you allow God to disturb you? I want the Jesus that I need, not the Jesus that I want. 
we allow Jesus to disturb you in your life. The very thing that may irritate you is the very thing that is designed to potentially set you free from torment. I'm asking Jesus to turn over the tables, disturb, disturb my own heart. Disturb. It's, it's like Jesus, the master interrupter. Last night we were, I just hit me, so it's, I'm going to say it. It's a dangerous thing. But um, we went to Washington Square Mall. This feels weird sharing the story with keys in the background, but I'm sure it anyways. To this place, this Dentai phone, I don't know, I don't know overpriced balls of bread. And the point is, is that we went there and um, it was awesome, but it was for Esther's 14th birthday. So I was like, oh, I'll do that action. But we put our names in. We about an hour and a half wait for these bread balls. <laughs> I like buy these things at Costco, but anyways, I'll support it. Um, so I start walking around, start walking around and, and I just don't like them all. I'm a guy for one, but I just don't, I mean, I just don't like it because I have nothing to buy. And, and I'm like, this is, this is, a, so anyways, so I let the girls run off and I just decided to wander like an old man, I guess. <laughs> so, so not only I need a light for the menu, now I walk malls. So I, I am definitively, I'm definitely reached the, the new age of spectrum. Okay. The point of me saying <laughs> What are you saying? This is uh, so I'm walking the mall and I'm just wandering like a a, 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 a fallen man. And uh, this one guy comes up to me, and goes, "Hey, I gotta ask you a question." I'm like, "Oh," and I'm like, "I normally just avoid like if you do that if you if you work in a kiosk. I mean, God love you for what you do, but like I I just cannot. I don't want to be sold anything. So I'm like walking by and I just like I don't want to feel my skin." phenomenal right now. I'm a, I'm a guy. Just give me some Dove soap. I don't want to feel awesome. My skin is because this this Dead Sea stuff. But the point is, is I'm walking down. All of a sudden, this young man comes up. And he goes, can I ask you a question? I'm like, I'm a wandering man. I guess I have nothing else to do. Ask me the ask me this stupid question. <laughs> and he goes, let me, let me see your shoes. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And But I was like, okay. And so I put my shoes up there and I, and, and I was wearing the shoes that I was wearing in Africa and realized if you've been to Africa, you realize they don't have concrete. They don't have beautiful grass necessarily. They just have this brown dirt that you're always walking. And so I had these shoes that just, it was white rimmed, but it had brown dirt everywhere. Let me clean your shoes. And I was like, well, praise God, I'll have you clean my shoes. So I put my foot up there and he starts scrubbing on these shoes. And, and I looked at the, my right shoe versus left shoe. I was like, wow. Look at that. He goes, I, I go do the other one. <laughs> so so uh, anyways, so he does the other one. And I'm like, so, okay. I like, I end up buying the stuff that, that he said, sure. And I only bought one box, I bought two boxes. Here's what's so beautiful about it. Okay. Here's what's so good about it is that I came home and I started, I go, kids, bring your shoes up here. And I started like, I was like, I felt like an accomplished man at that moment. I was just like sitting there scrubbing all my kids' shoes and the, their, their overexpensive Jordans and Air Force Ones. I was like, look at, I go, and I, I started sending pictures to, I was like, look at the right one. Look at the left one. So that's what I'm start doing for a living and start showing. Anyways, I'm not going to do that. But, but I was like, look at how amazing my shoes are. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, my goodness. See, the, I did not want to be sold. 
I did not want to have somebody stop me in the mall. But thank God I did. All my kids, when they see them, their shoelaces are atrocious, but at least their shoes look phenomenal. I let somebody interrupt my life. We are so busy. We have so many things going on. Stop, pray, let Jesus disturb you. If you've reached your goals, your goals were too small. If you reach your accomplishments, and no matter what age you, you are at, your, your, your vision and your dreams for your life are too small. God wants us to ride this wave all the way till we're DED. Amen. Let Jesus disturb you this week. Let's all stand to our feet. Y'all are amazing. I really wish, I wish most people around us would see themselves the way I see them. And the way I see them is far exceeded by the way God sees them. Can you imagine the capacity of what you can accomplish? So I'll close your eyes. Lord Father, right now, seek our hearts. May our interruption in our life not be an irritant. We disturb us this week. Father, I'm praying that you disturb everything throughout this week as our relationships and our friends and our business and our jobs. And may we pause and reflect your goodness, but more importantly, will you shape us and mold us in the way you want to see us, not the way we want to see ourselves, but the way you want to see us. Disturb us this week. Disturb us in our, our goals, in our visions, in our dreams. Give us new creative ideas this week. And I thank you, Father, that those ideas and those um, images that you're going to give us are not going to be birthed out of comfort or how we feel. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, for every family this week. I thank you, Father, that this week we're going to reflect on the goodness, the plans you have for us, the plans you have for us a year down the road, five years down the road, 10 years down the road is far greater than we can even ask or think or comprehend. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will lead us, guide us, direct us. Every step that we take, every conversation that we have will be driven by you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, that may we be the hope of the world. May we be the hope of the Portland Metroplex. And it's not going to be done by 15 to 20% of this room. It's going to be done by everybody in this room. And I give you all the praise and all the glory. Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To find out more, visit thecollectivechurch.com.